Hey, welcome to the Outside Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. Hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. We're about to hear some word tonight. Come on. Who is ready for the word? Who can praise him like never before? Come on, give him one minute of praise. Come on, lift him up over here. With us, amen. Without further ado, Pastor, my son, amen. I'm proud, amen. What God is doing in his ministry with his wife, Pastor Nicole, Pastor Brandon. Come on, let the Lord use you in the mighty face. Come on, TOC. If you know how to worship, somebody give God a shout of praise. If you know how to worship, give God just 10 seconds of praise. You gotta act like God is good. Is there somebody here that knows how to praise God? Did somebody come ready to have some church today? For the next five seconds, I want to give the best praise of 2021. Ready? Four, three, come on somebody, two. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I want you to, right before I start, I want you to just grab your biggest praise, but hold it. Just hold it right there. Someone grab their stomach. Just hold it right, right there. Just your biggest praise. If you really came ready for church, I wanted to share, before I even start into the sermon, I've been to places where you had to fight for presence and you had to fight for worship. I've been to gatherings where you had to fight for worship and you had to fight for the presence of God. Thank God that tonight I'm at a church that knows how to praise and knows how to worship. You don't got to fight for it. The moment I walked in, he's already in the midst. I'm telling you, I've been to places that's dry land, but TOC has rain. If you believe that for the next 10 seconds, I want you to release a radical praise so loud like you believe something's about to happen tonight. For the next nine seconds, go ahead and release a praise like you're a church that knows how to worship, like you're a church that knows how to praise. For the next eight seconds, like a new person just walked in and said, what is this? This place sounds like it has freedom. For the next six seconds, I dare you to show the devil that you didn't come here to play. I dare you for the next five seconds to shake the gates of hell and said, I didn't come here to play, baby. I came here to keep. Five. Come on, come on. Four. You got more than that. Three. Here's the big one. Ready? Two. One. Come on. Shout, shout. Come on. Shout, shout. sweat in this church <laughs> listen we got a lot to cover so you may be seated say hello to somebody that's next to you say I love you thanks for coming look at the person behind you say it's about to go down I want to hear you say it's about to go down there it is oh it's beautiful it's beautiful to be back I'm so so excited for this word I want you to say rated M because this message is only for the mature. I promise you. I, you know, honestly coming here, I, I kept praying to God. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm ready for the message. What's the message that you have? I can't wait to be back with my family, with my, with my home church. 
And then he gave me the message. I said, can you change it? Can it be a different one? Is there another one in the vault? But it wasn't. And he kept pressing on me and pressing on me. And my wife can attest, man, I'm telling you, I went through the hills and the valleys uh, for this message. But I'm excited to bring it with you tonight. Um, it's been a while since, I've, since we've been able to be back. So it was so, so beautiful to see your guys' faces, to see what God is doing in the life of TLC. How many know that this church has been in victory for the last few months? No, I'm, I'm the only one. I must be the only one that believes it. God has been doing amazing things in this church, and it's been beautiful to see. And your victory is our victory. Um, our church, our, our Anchor Family Church says hello. Our pastors are super excited that we get to be here uh, just celebrating with you all. And I am very, very excited. But can I preach this thing real quick? Can I? Because we're going to get a little bit deep. It's going to be a little bit different. So mind you, I, I came here and I said, Lord, I, I want to bring some revelation uh, tonight. But I'm... Part Puerto Rican, part Dominican, but I don't speak a lick of Spanish. That's why I didn't do the Spanish service. So we're going to stick to English. But if you know me, I like to talk back. Don't leave me alone like I'm crazy out here. So we're going to practice some talkbacks that I like. So here's one. Ready? Preach, preacher. Preacher. That was all right. Now I want you to do it like a Spanish lady who sits in the back. Amen. Amen. Oh, that was good. Now I know half of you Spanish with that one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was good. That was good. No, no, it was that. It's all right. We'll move on. We'll move on. You know, Lord have mercy. But no, I'm excited to get into this word, but I'm ready, ready, ready to preach it. Now, um, before I even share the actual word, I have to tell you, if you don't know, I work for PSLPD, the city um, police department. But when I went to apply, how many know that whenever you apply for a job, you've got to apply for it and make your, you got to sell yourself. You got to make yourself sound good. If you're 5'9", you put that you're 5'10". You know what I mean? You got to make yourself. I remember somebody asked me what my greatest weakness was, and I said I, I got tired fast because I wasn't prepared with that message. But in my application, I'm like, man, I really got to impress them because I need this job. Somebody said, I need this job. I'm not rich, rich in glory, but I need this job. And I put in the application that I was bilingual. All right. What I meant was I spoke in tongues. That was the other language. They just, they didn't ask me, but I said I spoke in tongues. No, but I, I put that, I, <laughs> I put that I spoke Spanish. Because I thought in my head, like, when are they going to figure that out, right? I never said I spoke full Spanish, like fluent Spanish, right? I never got to really learn my Spanish. I blame it both on my parents, the pastors of this church. The leadership is terrible. Find somewhere else to go. No, but honestly, it's because I didn't finish Dora season three, and I just couldn't get my language there. But I had to get this job, and guess what? I got the job. Say amen. amen. I got the job, but then the time came. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people, a lot of Spanish people need the police, apparently. And they'd say, hey, uh, we need a Spanish speaker. I'm like, I'm, I'm on my way. <laughs> the whole time, I'm like, you made a way with Darius, you know. I'm like, you invented language. Help me, Lord. And I get that. I can tell you what, in every traffic stop, like no Spanish person from me who only speaks, you don't get a ticket. Why? I can't tell you why you got a ticket, why I stopped you. I'd be like, you guía to rapido, ticketo. He's like, que, que? Well, he's a, I'm like, warning, go to warning, go. But one day, one day somebody had to come to the scene with me. Here's where I was in trouble. He was American, as American could be. And he says, Brandon, I need your help. Martinez. I'm like, yeah, this guy made it. Live up to it. And I go up to the person, and he's telling me all the things that happened, and I'm, like, struggling. I'm like, so, ella poncho en cara? And I'm just trying, and I'm struggling for, like, half an hour. I made no sense. When he asked me, so what they say, I said, you have Rosetta Stone, you got Google Plus or something. <laughs> right? But the whole time, he was watching me weird. Like, I'm talking to the person. He's just, like, looking at me like this. You know when you have, like, a word from God and you, you have that nasty face? And he's just looking at me like, I said, Brandon. I'm like, yeah. Do you know Spanish? <laughs> I said, no, nah, bro. I'm, <laughs> I've been faking it till I make it. That's a whole nother sermon. Fake it till you make it. I was like, uh, and that was the day that everybody figured out that Brandon doesn't really speak Spanish. But I got the job. They can't fire me now. It's too late. God is good. But. I told them a portion of the truth, but not the full truth. So I want to ask you this. Is stretching the truth considered the truth? 
if I share a portion of the truth, is that still considered the truth? I want you to really ponder on that thought because that's going to be the foundation of tonight's message. Is stretching the truth really the truth? I mean, I got what I wanted. But I didn't expel everything that was behind it. I said, yeah, I speak Spanish, but I never said I spoke fluently. Now, this is a whole different dynamic now. Because now I'm not effective when I need to be, but I was stretching the truth. Is stretching the truth considered the truth? For all you married folk. Yeah, I'm married now, so I can say these things. Three years, baby. If your husband came home and told you a portion of where he went that night. Yeah, you're going to the next marriage conference. You're going to need it. He said, no, 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 no. I want the what? Whole thing. Oh, y'all with me. Let's try. I want the whole thing. Give me the full truth. I need to know everything. But ironically, that is not our approach in our Christian walk. Y'all want to go deep tonight? Can we go deep? It's going to be a little different. We're going to go deep. Okay. Y'all scaring me. Y'all quiet. But it's okay. It's okay. I'm ready. Tonight, I want to reveal a counterfeit power. Counterfeit is something that is an imitation of something that is. So we know that the power of God is true. We all know that. That's why we're here sitting, I hope. But there is a counterfeit of that power. And the only way that power finds its source is through stretching the truth. Someone say, stretch the truth. Now say it like you're here for church. Stretch the truth. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, this is going to help a lot of you in probably your private life. And I said, this is the part where I said, Lord, I wanted a happy message. You know, I wanted the, God's going to get you out. Yes. Mm. But then, no, it's God's going to work with you behind closed doors. But ironically, those tend to be the biggest revivals in your life. So this message is supposed to help you learn how he trespassed in your home. How he weaseled his way into your relationship how he weaseled your way, his way into your marriage and into your friendships. How on earth is he invading your mind and bringing forth confusion? How are you where you are? How did he slip in through the cracks of your home because you're Christian and he's not supposed to possess nor influence nor do this? How is he affecting you? How has he kept you in bondage, in addiction, and in habits? How are you still wrestling with the things that you've been wrestling with for years what is the remedy what is the source what is the problem because if you really want revival revival starts within so tonight's message is truly about a message on how to have actual breakthrough but this message is rated m because only the mature will take this in and say i want that because i'm sick and tired of being invaded how is he dividing the country right now and our nation how is he utilizing social media? How is he utilizing media, political figures? How is he doing what he is doing? How has he perverted the gospel? Why do we have corrupt churches? How did that happen in the first place? How has Satan slipped into the church pews and says, God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. Because according to scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, the devil himself is allowed in the throne room of Christ, if you didn't know. That's how they discussed Job. He was in the presence of God, so he can be in the presence of saints, which is why the gospel says, watch out for what? Wolves in sheep clothing. How did he have jurisdiction to mess with us? As an officer, I can only operate on the law within my jurisdiction that's the only place i have authority and heaven tonight we're going to learn has a government hell has a government there is a format there is a way of operation there is an order behind it think about it if earth was able to manage a democratic system if earth was able to manage a systematic society how on earth could we believe that heaven doesn't have a government if there is order kind of on earth how is there not in heaven, and also, why would the enemy not imitate that order? How is he interfering with the transmission of truth? 
We all see it on the news. There is so much going on that I can't even put it on a PowerPoint with all the things that are happening. And now, in a smaller scope, there's a lot of things happening with you. And I don't know if this message is for five, 50, one, but I've got to preach it because I've got to stay in obedience. But please take heed to this warning that there is something interfering, the transmission of truth. And where there is no truth, there is no freedom. Somebody is stretching the truth. Y'all with me? I'm not here. We're quiet. We're just here. We're, we're, what it is is we're focused. Someone say focus. Okay, that's just encouraging me. Okay, I'm just making sure. What if I told you that the enemy operates on a portion of truth in hopes that you are unaware of the truth in its entirety? What if the power derives from a portion of truth in hopes that you don't know the full truth? Where does the enemy get his authority to begin with? What is he manipulating to begin with? He is manipulating something good. He is manipulating the truth, but he's stretching it. And by stretching it, he's hoping that you don't know the end of that truth. And if you don't know, that's how you get in bondage. If you're not operating in the truth of the gospel, in the truth of his word, if you're not walking in spirit and in, then he can manipulate you by stretching truth and speaking whispers to your ears. Matthew, if you don't believe me, Matthew chapter 4, verse 5 through 7. And this is when Jesus gets tempted. The word of God says that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the spirit for the purpose to be tempted. And how many know that's a whole other sermon? That the spirit of God will lead us into the wilderness where we go, why, why am I here? With the purpose to be tested for the wisdom that God has. Everybody has an individual walk. That's a whole other sermon. But I wanted you to know that it was a purpose-driven moment. Where Jesus was held in the wilderness, he fasted for 30, 40 days and 40 nights. But I want to stay, stay in the condition of where Jesus was prior to getting tempted by serpents, by the devil himself. It says that he was hungry. It reads this. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. But then he says something that boom, shakes the word. He says, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up high in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And then Jesus answered, that's my dog. He said, it is also, somebody say also. He, here's the back end of that truth. He said, no, no, you're right. But, the, but that's a little bit of a stretch because it also says, do not put the Lord your God to the test here's the issue a lot of us are trapped without being able to say also y'all with me y'all with me this is good right come on we are stuck in the also we we can't say also because we don't know the back end of the truth but also there are people who reject to know because they've grown comfortable before the also because it's easier not to respond it's easier to submit. And then we become what? Victims. He has, tonight, man, I feel like I was getting attacked. You know why? Because tonight we're going to unravel the schemes. Because if you can know his playbook, if you can know how he operates, then I hope to God you'll do something about it. He was trying to catch Jesus, someone say, off guard. That's why he came in the state of him being hungry. He had 40 days and 40 nights to come up. He could have came up in day 37, but he didn't. He waited for him to be hungry. Why? Because it says in the word of God, it teaches us theologically that Jesus came as 100% man and 100% God. So that he knows that we know that he went through it all the way we would feel, but was capable because he was also God. So yes, he could have a state of hunger, a state of appetite, but this hunger and appetite was supposed to represent suffering. How many have ever been so hungry you were suffering? Oh, I'm the only one that likes McDonald's at one in the morning. Somebody, how many have ever been suffering for food? Amen. Oh, y'all fasting. Y'all just holy. My bad. 
I know my wife, when she suffers, oh, that's a whole different person. <laughs> but Satan attempts to have a conversation. And within that conversation, there's truth. But the only way to know whether the, the truth is being stretched is to know the truth in the first place. For example, back to your husband. You're sitting in a chair. I'm going to make it dramatic. Is that cool? Okay, you're sitting in a chair. Husband opens the door. You turn the chair. Where you been? Was that good? We'll try it again. Where you been? He says, baby, oh, baby, I was at the Walmart. Walmart closed because of COVID. Next. Walgreens. Walgreens is five miles away, too far, next. And the reason is because the wife knows where he was. She knows the full truth. The only way to know if something's being stretched in your life, if the truth is being stretched, is to already have known the truth prior. So Jesus was already prepared before the temptation came. So when the temptation came, the tempter, the accuser of the brethren, when Satan came to challenge him and said, hey, it is written this, 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 Jesus was able to rebuttal and say, no, but it is also written. Because he was prepared with the truth. Are you prepared with the truth to, sur to survive your wilderness? Regardless of his vulnerability, regardless of his current condition, because we tend to use that as a crutch, regardless of that, he was prepared and he did not let his guard down. Can I tell you something? How transparent can I be here? Can I be 100% or 75%? 100%. Okay. Let me tell you, I said, Lord, why? I don't want to. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare. We're going to get there. It's going to get deeper. And I said, Lord, I don't want to talk about this. I want to talk about something more like I can laugh and joke around and stuff. I said, something happy, you know. He said, no, because something is coming. Something is coming. What is that something? I can't tell you. I'm not a prophet. I'm just a preacher. But what I have to do is submit and to heed the warning that there's something that you have to fix, unlock, prepare cut off whatever the case may be but there's something that you're doing behind closed doors that's kind of cutting your signal and the tempter is coming you're at day 37 day 38 day 39 and day 40 is coming and the serpent's gonna come and your rebuttal will not be present he did not let his guard down regardless of his condition someone say don't let your guard down Today I'm coming to let the church know not to let your guard down. There is an accuser who's after you to kill, steal, and destroy. And we've heard it many times, but we're going to get more serious on that verse in a little bit. It's time to raise up the standard of your private life. If I, can, if I can put a synopsis of what this message is, it is to raise up the standard of your private life. Whatever that means to you, there has been conviction in your life. Man, I really want to get back into it. Man, I really got to get it. Or man, I remember when I used to be more. There is a standard that you need to raise because you are in a warfare. Whether you want to be, whether you think you aren't, you are. Because there is no choice when it comes to the spiritual warfare that's already engaged. And we'll get to that because you can either be an instrument of wickedness or an instrument of righteousness. The word never describes an in-between. So you are either living the will of God or you're living the will of the enemy. There is no in-between. That in-between is a stretched truth that you're living for yourself, that you're living for the things of this world. But a lot of us don't know that in scripture many times, like in 1 John, it says that the evil one is the God of this world. Can you believe that? I didn't know that. Been a Christian a long time. I said, who's God? They, they used the word God. He says he is the God, obviously, for a moment. But the, matter, the, the, the mere fact that we crave the things of this earth, the blessings, the success, the finances, the, the building, the house, this, this and this, and we're distracted by all the luxury things around us. And God, please, I come to church for my blessings and this and this. But we don't prepare for the warfare that actually counts. The rest is just extra. That's why he says seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you because he's more worried about your armor than your gifts. 
It's time to get up from the dry place that you stand and prepare your home for a spiritual warfare that's already engaged against you. It is time to put the blood mark on your doorpost and not be shocked by the things that are happening. Moments of revelation are already coming to pass. Figures are already being moved. The hand of God is so relevant in today that you've got to be blind not to see it. Ephesians 6.12, it says this. You've heard it many times, and I want, that's why I want to dive so much deeper into it. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, not against your boss, not against your mom, not against the dad that left you. It says, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If you're a Christian, that relates to you. It is not a candy cane Christianity. It is not a everything is great and dandy Christianity. It is not a prosperity gospel. When you accept Jesus, it doesn't mean that you're walking through a petal of rainbows and everything is good. It says there is principalities, authorities, powers. What does that mean to you? That means there is authority, influences. There are things behind the things and you're blaming the thing. But you can't see it because you're not doing what you got to do in private. And you're wrestling with flesh and blood. My dad left me. He don't love me. Little do we know the enemy's puppeteering with his authority that you've given him. Oh, man. Because access equals authority. And you've given him the access to your heart because you haven't allowed the freedom of the gospel to liberate you from that. And now he's able to puppeteer that anger in you and just move you. Wait, 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 wait. But, but Satan, Satan doesn't have the authority to, 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 to possess us, but he does to influence us. Puppeteer. We're here? We're here? Okay. I want you to say this. And this was weird. When I wrote this, I said, okay, all right. Everything's spiritual. Ready? One, two, three. It is. And can I be, we said 100% honest, so I'm going to be 105. Fair enough? I got to a point where I'm like, man, everything's not spiritual. You, you, ever, you ever make fun of the, like, the oversaved people? You can't watch a movie without them saying, that's the devil. Somebody told me that the other day. I, I was watching, uh, uh, um, what is that, 100 Dal Dalmatians, Cruella DeVille. They said, that's the devil. No, it's DeVille. <laughs> Relax. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know. My faith doesn't tremble because I watched Corella DeVille. It's ridiculous. And those are the people I never wanted to be compared for. How, you don't want to be crazy, right? But you got to be realistic. And he will also utilize that. I don't want to be part of that. That's the crazy Christians. That's the charismatic Pentecostal crazy Christians. And we remove it so far that we no longer operate in it. And our main operation is to be representatives of heaven here on earth. And if we're not doing our occupation, whose occupation are we doing? And then we wonder why God is outside of our school. We wonder why marriages have changed. We wonder why the political system the way it is. We wonder why racism has taken over. We wonder why the homeless, no one's going to the homeless. No one's going to the prisons. No one's doing ministry. People are deconstructing their faith. No one wants to go to church because they know better than the pastor, than the leader, than the heretic. Everybody's doing their own thing. Thy will be done when they don't know that that's the foundation of Satanism. Is your will, but your will doesn't exist to a certain extent. Don't get me confused. You have free will, but you have free will to choose under who you will. You can't serve how many masters. He didn't say four. He didn't say six. He said two. The enemy's will, God's will. There is no in between. And if you want to say that there is a bit in between, you can call that what? Lukewarm. And what does God do regardless with the lukewarm? He says, I spew them out. There is no, you, you're either in, baby, or you're out. It's either all the gospel. It's not some of the gospel. Come on, somebody. He says, everything is spiritual. I'm going to prove it. I'm gonna, I'm, we're going we're gonna to do something. Man, this revelation was cool. You ever had a cool revelation? I'm using like an unspiritual word, but when I said, I said, what? 
that's how that works? I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to get there. Genesis chapter 3. It's crazy. The fall of man. And read it on your own time. It's, 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 let me paint the picture for you. In the book of Genesis, right, God creates the earth, the heavens and the earth. All this is happening, the oceans, the fish, the animals. He creates man, Adam. He gives him dominion over all of this. He creates the Garden of Eden. He says, you know, a man shall not be alone. And, and out of his rib came the woman. And he said, oh, my God, she's beautiful. That's, you know, beautiful. Man should not be left alone. And I agree, right? How, how many married men out there, right? Oh, okay, all right. We're going to have a separate altar call for y'all. <laughs> One guy in the back said, oh, man. I mean, I guess. <laughs> oh, man, y'all crazy. <laughs> Moving on. Genesis chapter 3 comes, and it's one of the most pivotal moments because it's the dispensation of sin. This is when wickedness enters into the world. This changes the doctrine. It changes the theology. It changes everything. What was once a perfect communion between Adam, Eve, and God, they had all dominion. This was all wrecked because of one decision. But it's interesting how the decision happened and why the decision happened. Genesis chapter 3 says this, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God has made. He said to the woman, Eve, did God really, we're, we're, we're stretching, right? You see it? Okay. You must not eat from any tree in the garden. Did he really? Right? Did he really? And she said, well. Yeah, he said, we may eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. That's what I heard. The serpent says, hmm, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Can I share with you something deep? I'm going to put it up there so it looks nice. The highest form of witchcraft is not lying. The highest form of witchcraft is statements of truth not truthfully stated. Satan knew that God was speaking about spiritual death, not physical death. So he was able to utilize a portion of truth, say you will not certainly die. But because Eve at that moment was not covered in truth, she was blinded. That's why the word of God says that we have a veil, that some of us won't understand the spirit of God, the things of the supernatural. Why? Because we just can't see it. And she said, oh, I guess if I won't die, he begins to say this. When the woman saw that the fruit of, tree, of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and this is my favorite part, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. Someone say wisdom. We're going to go left field. It's going to be crazy. Left field is going to be crazy. She took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, I'm not going to go there. I won't, right? Okay. I'll save it for the women's conference. I'll leave that up for interpretation. Moving on. <laughs> then the eyes of both of them were open, <laughs> and they realized they were naked. The word realize can be associated with wisdom or an epiphany because they realized, oh, wait a minute, we're naked. But they were naked the whole time. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Here's where we go left field. The first temptation, what were they tempted with? To know good and evil. And the original scriptures talks about wisdom. It said that she was desirable for gaining wisdom. Now, this is really important. It was desirable for gaining. So the first thing that, if you ever wonder what was the first, I know the fruit was, but what did he use to entice the fruit? You will have wisdom like God. So you're telling me the first thing that, that made the fall of man happen was a, a hunger for insight, for wisdom, for truth. And here's the crazy part. 
when they ate it, they did have truth. She realized, he realized they were naked, but that was kind of unnecessary wisdom. He gifted them insight, but the insight was more harmful than it was a blessing. Oh man, y'all not with me. We're going to... The insight that he promised and the insight that they consumed, they realized that they were naked. And the word of God continues to say that they hid from God. So now we know that this wasn't a good thing. They began to sew fig leaves and, and cover themselves up. It was unnecessary. Oh, can, can we get, can I go there? All right, we're going there. They realized they were naked and it was for no good reason. They were perfectly fine. And the wisdom that they got was insight. And it was truth. You are naked. But it was unnecessary. Now how can we, how can we even put this together? There is a lot of things happening right now in the Christian community around our world right now. Where people are hungry for insight and wisdom. We're losing a lot of young people. We're losing a lot of young adults based upon the insight that they're getting from the world. You don't believe me? Can I have that? That, that, uh, that. These are popular topics happening right now that you may not associate with spiritual warfare, but they are, and we're going to get there. Faith deconstruction. A lot of people are deconstructing their faith and breaking down their faith to its original content and say, I no longer want, I have to break off Christianity from me because I've learned, I've gotten insight of something else. Gender identification, we see it all the time. Gender neutral, there's all these different things happening. And I'm not going to go there, but I'm going to put it on the list so you can understand. What does this have to do with wisdom? Well, gender identification, identification is the wisdom of oneself. So they're going through an identity crisis. Astrology, numerology, horoscope. Let's stop there. I see this all. I, there are Christians, and don't listen. This is not going to be the basis of my message. It's going to be an example, so don't go crazy on me. All right? So you got Christians that go on dates, and you know it's the first question they ask? They don't say, you read your Bible. <laughs> They're not talking to me. I, I must be in Florida by myself. They don't say, oh, did you read Ephesians? Do you love God? They don't do none of that. What do they say? Okay. I didn't say you did, so you're in trouble. What was it? What's your sign? Oh, you're a Leo? I only deal with Pisces. Them Leos crazy. I'm a Pisces. That's why I said it. Oh, he knows. I do. Because I didn't know about this sermon. I'm going to check this out. There's another one. There it is. Enneagram can never say that word. Where's the other one? There's another one. We'll stay, we'll, 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 we'll stay there. There was a girl, Christian. I'm not going to put people on blast. Maybe. And she said, she, she comes up to my wife and she says, me and her, and she says, I know both of you guys as Enneagrams. If you don't know what an Enneagram is, it is a numerical, kind of like numerology. It is a personality test in a sense. It ranges you by numbers. Say you're like a one or you're a nine or you're an eight. I've even be, heard this used in a sermon, which just blows my mind. And it's about the different personalities based upon how numbers are represented. Kind of like in the Bible, where in the Bible, certain numbers mean like seven means completion. And she says, both of you, you're number one and you're number four. Nicole, you're a nine sub, subtract two. I don't know what she said. She was right. We read it, and it was, we took the test. And they gave me the numbers, and I was kind of like mind blown. I was like, wow. Let's be honest. Can we, 105, remember? How many have ever read their horoscope? Okay. How many have ever saw the Enneagram or, or you know, the numbers and stuff like that? Okay. Some of you are lying. That's fine. We'll move on. Astrology, what's your sign? And if you read those, a lot of them are insightful, right? I could tell you right now, I read that, I said, wow, they got me to the teeth. It even say you love hot Cheetos. Like it had everything <laughs> on there. It had my social security number. I was kind of scared. I said, the devil is a liar. I was like, oh my God, my deepest, darkest secret's in there. I was like, let me turn the page. Jesus woman, 
right? And it, it's just mind-blowing how much truth it has, but it's insightful. Someone say insightful. Ah, it's a portion of truth. And you say, Brandon, you're telling me, preacher, watch out with your theology. You're telling me horoscopes. No, no, let's get deeper. When God created all of it, all of it, he's the creator of all creations. He touched everything. He says he molded you. He knew you from the womb. He created the oceans. He created the sun. He created the galaxies. It's still expanding. He's touching. He's breathing life into the nostrils and a man grows. He's moving and moving and moving. What happens when you touch things or when you breathe on things? You leave behind what? DNA. Right? He says that I made man in my image. Okay. So why does the word of God say that if they don't, the rocks will worship? How's the rock going to worship? Because his essence it's something he created. So, so think about putting baby powder on your hands. And everything you touch, you left a, a residue. You left a, a portion of you. You left essence of you. Within the confines of everything that God created, everything is spiritual. Because it took spirituality to do it. He's a spirit being. Everything he touched, there, there is, there is, that's why he can move the mountains. That's why he can part the seas. There, there, is, there, is, there is a spiritual realm that we can't see. We believe it because there's a heaven, there's an earth. There's a hell. Okay. So, of course, verbal affirmations. Right? Psychics claim to know a portion. Tarot cards. Okay. Let's save language for last. Crystals. All these different things. Of course, they have a portion of truth. He created astrology. Of course, in God's ingenious design, in the intricacies, I can never say the word, intricacies of what he created, his essence is there. So, of course, his, his stars align with you. Of course, they're teaching verbal affirmation outside of the scope, outside of the confines of Christianity. You see it all over. Oh, this morning I woke up with this affirmation. Say it every morning and speak it into the, oh, we're there. So we're, I'm not crazy. You're hearing the same thing I'm hearing. Speak it into the universe, right? So the devil has managed to take it outside of the confines of Christianity because the devil, remember, came from heaven. So he knows that rules and regulations, the ordinances and the government of heaven. So he knows how things work here on earth. So he's able to take it outside of Christianity and utilize verbal affirmation because he knows that's the rules of the earth that you can speak life. Now the question is, what are you speaking to? If it's outside of the confines of Christianity, then it's outside the will of God. Here's how you become a palm piece to Satan's chest. It's because you're doing these things that, yes, to a certain extent, and you don't believe me. Okay. Let me find it for you. One moment. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. It says this. Not everyone who says, oh, I have it there. Perfect. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Okay, let's stop there. How on earth did supernatural things happen, but they were far from God? Just because there is a presence does not mean that God himself is present. Earlier, we said that we do not, what, wrestle against flesh and blood, but powers, principalities. Where do they live? Where do the powers, principalities, and the king? In the spiritual realm, there is a lot of activity happening in the heavens. There is a battle over your life. There is a battle over your blessing, over your children, over your generation. There's a battle right now over this generation. There is a heavenly warfare that you can't see because you became blind to it, but it's happening. And just because there is a presence, this is why there's tickle ears you think God's in the midst of that when he says that the wolves and sheep clothing will tickle the ears of men they will become hard-hearted they will become boastful they'll become he's not in the midst of that but something is 
that has limited authority. He claimed in 1 John, it says it, 1 John 5, 19, says that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. The reason he has given access into you, to your life, slipped in. The reason he's gained jurisdiction and influence is because you failed to exercise your authority. Under the confines of Christianity. Do you realize how much authority God has given you? For the will of God. For the glory of God. What is the gospel? It's to bring the completion of what he had, heaven on earth. Where at one point there was perfect communion, perfect relationship. The, restora the whole gospel is for the restoration of what once was. And the enemy knows this, so he has stretched truth in your life. He has tickled your ear. He has kept you comfortable. He has kept you confined. Why? Because that's one warrior out of the game. That is one prayer out. 1 John 4, 4 says this. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The very same book says that he in the world has control is the evil one. But then John 4, 4 says, but don't worry that he who is inside of you, come on somebody, is greater than the one in the world. I wonder what it looked like if a church was really awake. I wonder what it looked like is that despite all this, there is somebody who says, I know what affirmation comes from. And I can speak life into situations. I, can, I know what my prayer does. I know what my fasting does. I know what happens when I'm connected. Oh, y'all not hearing me. I'm alert. I'm awake. I'm ready. Too long you've been lollygagging in a PG-13 Christianity relationship with Christ where once you were considered a warrior, now you're a bench warmer. And you've been fighting that eager urge, that, that little voice, that little conviction that we came to amplify today that says get back to your knees. Put blood on your doorposts because your family's in danger. Oh, you a preacher, you're preaching too hard. What do you mean my family's in danger? I remember that the spirit entered into Egypt and who died? The people without the blood on the door. This isn't a game. You got to remember, this isn't a political group. You're not a social club. You're not a meet and greet. You're not a baseball team. You're the church of Jesus Christ. You are the forerunner. You are the forefront. You are the champions. You are on this rock. I shall build my church. If you ever wondered what the remedy of what's happening right now is, it is the church. You're looking around like, well, how are we going to fix it? It's the church. And the church is not TLC with the building. It's beautiful, but it's you are the church. And I pray that you hear, heed this warning. I can't speak in a prophetic way because he didn't reveal to me as to what's to come. But it should be obvious that things are happening. And whether you want to or not. You are participating. But for whose team are you participating? Your family is counting on you. Your children are counting on you. Your generation, your wife, your husband, your church, your pastors, your leaders, your friends, your coworkers. They are counting on you. There are people attached to your purpose. Wake up. There are people attached to your purpose. God has given you people attached to if you can't do it for yourself do it for the people around you if you don't got the strength for yourself have the strength for your children if you can't get up by yourself ask a brother say dude I'm going through some things I need you to pick me back up if you're going through addiction and you can't break it alone guess what the God I serve says I built a community because you don't got to do it alone guess what you've got a church that'll fight with you if you need real deliverance guess what there's an altar and there's some prayer warriors that will say devil get out of her devil get 
get out of him. Man, you got to be an angry Christian where you righteously say, I'm tired of being tired. I'm sick of being sick. I'm not no victim. I'm not stupid. I'm not weak. Get out of my house. Enough is enough. And recognize they have no jurisdiction where you are. You got to figure out who you are through Christ who sets you free. Because now is not a season to play. Now is not a time to play kind of Christianity. This isn't candy crush Christianity. It is warfare. Now I want to see for the next 30 seconds. If you've got a warfare cry out to God. It says God choose me. God send me for the next 28 seconds. Declare it over your family. Declare it over your church. Declare it over your children. That things will change come on come on 24 seconds I don't gotta lay hands on you you got it for yourself he anointed you he purposed you he lifted you come on somebody fight for yourself for the next 20 seconds fight for your wife for the next 15 seconds fight for your husband it's not time to play games let's see what warfare sounds like I can hear the trumpets I can see the chariots. There's some things that are about to change. Why? Because I'm tired of being tired. Why? Because I'm not sitting on the floor no more. Someone saying, devil, you are a liar. You are a liar. You are a liar. Come on, somebody. I want you to join me. Come, come quickly. Come quickly. There's an anointing about to fall in this place this is where it stops it stops with you come on come on tonight we get spiritual tonight we get holy tonight we get right You can't have- 